The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, best-selling author and speaker Lisa Bevere helps us live without rival. Really, when we begin to worship God, God actually begins to identify us. The book of Romans talks about when we don't worship God, we forget how to be human. And women forget how to be women, and men forget how to be men. And men and women together capture the image of God. Learning to embrace your identity and purpose in an age of confusion and comparison. us feel so welcome and we welcome you to life today. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I are thrilled to share this time with you. Lisa Bevere and her husband, John, uh, they're like family. Uh, and, and I think even beyond, you might say, just like the family of faith, uh, they're, they're like connected family and uh, love them so much. And I think Lisa is probably one of the most gifted communicators that I've ever heard. Would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. And we've watched the journey uh, in the Lord. And it's been beautiful to watch. And this book, Without Rival, we're actually, we're going to do two days of programming with Lisa. And she's going to talk about this book. And I'd like for you to give her a real warm welcome to life today. Would you do that? <laughs> well, we, we do feel like it's you are. You know, you're part of our thing. Yeah. <laughs> I received and that. You did a great job at our church at Gateway recently when you spoke. Thank you. And I want you just to, I want you to share... I know we're going to hear your heart, but I know you feel the way I do. I want people to really hear God's heart, and I know that's what you're seeking to express, what he said to you. So you just take it and help us understand what you want people to get even when they read the book. Well, first and foremost, I totally believe that identity is a huge issue right now. People are trying to find out who they are, and there has never been more information and yet more confusion at any other time in life. And this is, this is why people are trying to self-identify. They're trying to find out who they are. They're trying to connect to groups. But there is a identity that God gives us that is more powerful. And James and Betty, I do get to travel. It's, it's amazing, but I don't do jet like necessarily well. And I was coming home from South Korea. I was trying to finish up Girls with Swords and I fell asleep at my laptop. And eight pages later of the letter T, I did the, the chin drop and I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, I've been asleep. I'm going to go lay down. And I was just falling asleep when I heard the Holy Spirit say, I do not love my children equally. I pushed up my bed and I sat up and I was like, wait, that's blasphemy. You have to love us all the same. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, I don't. He said, same would mean one of my children were exchangeable or replaceable. And he said, equal would mean that my love could be measured. And Lisa, my love is immeasurable. He said, I do not love my children equally. I love them uniquely. And when I heard that word unique, James and Betty, it just exploded in my spirit. I thought, wait a minute, what does that word actually mean? So I went and looked in the dictionary and the first tier of definition is, it, it, it is soul representative of. 
Nobody else is going to represent God the way we do. Nobody else represents his love, his care, his nurture. But the second one is prototype, which also means we're not going to be mass produced. The third one was what got my attention. It was without rival. There is no competition for who you are to God. If you are a son, you are a son of the Most High God, and there is no one else like you. If you're a daughter, you're a daughter of the Most High God. You wouldn't be more well-loved or more efficient if you were a female if you are actually a male or a male if you're actually a female. And so this identity without rival is something that we need to actually lay a hold of. And we, wish, we, we shouldn't be surprised that we have an identity without rival because we serve a God without rival. And so I took the first section of the book to unpack the identity without rival, a God without rival, and a promise without rival. We have been trusted with promises of God that I love the way C.S. Lewis said. He said, if you unpack these promises, then our desires are too weak, not too strong. When we look at all the great and precious promises, everything that pertains to life and godliness was given to us. And so I took these things and I talk about this identity. Now we have a culture right now that is encouraging people to self-identify. And when I was writing this book, I wrote it over a year ago. When I was writing this book, I thought, when was the first time anybody self-identified? And the first account of self-identification is actually Lucifer. Lucifer, who was perfect in form, perfect in wisdom, walked in the presence of God, and the only creature that actually knew his ways decided he would remake himself. He said, I will make myself like the most high. Mm. And we all know what happened. His deciding to remake himself was his unmaking. We look in both the book of Isaiah and the book of Jeremiah, and we are challenged when we hear, should the clay say to the potter, you've made me wrong. And yet that's what you're doing with me. You've got everything upside down. The next time we see a history of self-identification is Adam and Eve. Satan came to them and said, you can be like God, apart from God. You can be your own master. And now it's playing out once again where people are saying, I'm going to be my own master. I'm going to remake myself. And yet I'm not thinking that this is because people are evil or wrong. I think that people are desperate for identity. I think people are so deeply wounded that they're saying, I'm going to do anything I can to make myself feel whole and make myself feel loved again. So really, when we begin to worship God, God actually begins to identify us. The book of Romans talks about when we don't worship God, we forget how to be human mm -hmm. and women forget how to be women. And men forget how to be men. And men and women together capture the image of God. So when we begin to mess with gender, we begin to undermine the image of God. A lot of times in the church, though, you see that women aren't given value. They're not given identity. They don't have a connection with God. They, they aren't told they can express. This is something you've done for me for years, what you've done for Beth. You've done for so many of God's daughters. You've said, I identify that you're not just somebody's wife, which is an amazing privilege, or somebody's daughter, but you're a daughter of the Most High God, and what you have to say has value. So I really believe we have a generation that is watching and waiting for the church to be the church, to be loving, to be kind. Right now, we are known for what we are against, 
and it talks about it. It talks about the reality of our God. Then it talks about the reality of our day, which is where we're at. People are confused and they're trying to self-identify. Then the reality of us and we in the church, if we begin to actually show who God really is, that he can take us by the hand and flip our life. You know, um, when I was preaching at Gateway, I shared some of my story that when I got saved, God didn't just take me by the hand and do a 10 degree course correction. He took me by the hand and he led me into a radical life transformation. And a lot of times right now, what we see in the church is just a minor course correction. And the world is hoping that what we have is real, but they want to see a radical life change. You know, I remember when my sorority sisters, when I went back and I told them I was a Christian, they were all like, oh no, we don't want you to be a Christian. We liked you mean, we liked you drunk. We liked you running around and being wild. But they all doubted whether I had actually really converted until the day came that I actually had a chance to preach my first sermon. And it came at a very unexpected time. I remember we had all pulled all-nighters trying to study. And one of the, I'm not making fun of elementary ed. I wish I actually had elementary ed education, but I was studying international economics. And so I had pulled a stats study overnight. She came in and she looked at all of us and she said, y'all look like you've been run over by a car. And we're like, thank you, thank you. She's like, no, really, you all look terrible. And I said, thank you, thank you. She just kept pushing it. And all of a sudden, before I knew what happened, that unregenerated, non-conforming to Christ thing in me rose up and I said, why are you such a, and then I dropped a, a, a cuss word. And she looked at me and she said, I thought you were a Christian. You're not a Christian. And everybody froze in the room. And one of my sorority sisters said, that's okay, I almost called her the same thing. She stormed out of the room. And you know what I did, James, somebody? I stood up in front of everybody and I said, you know what? I am completely out of line. And they said, that is when they knew I was a Christian. Not by reading my Bible, not by praying, not by saying praise the Lord, but for the first time they had seen me be humble. The world is not looking for us to be perfect, but they are looking for us to be humble. And until we humble ourselves and get our identity from God and not by judging other people, until we can actually speak the truth in love, then people are going to be waiting and watching for us to be that example of Jesus Christ. When we look at someone that's confused about their identity sexually, mm -hmm. there are a lot of people confused about the desires and the appetites of their life. Now, what if we took all the desires and appetites that hold people in a grip? Let's just say, what if because some people say I'm attracted to children? Then we say, well, you just can't hold that against them. That's just the way they are. So we have to accommodate them and allow them to have some children. Mm -hmm. Do we say that? You say, no. shut up, you're insane. Well, we're actually buying into what amounts to insanity mm -hmm. when we're letting confused people mm -hmm. take charge of the direction of the nation. But what do we do with those confused people? We love them. Yeah. We care about them because we too have been trapped, confused, held in bondage. Yeah. So that's yeah. what we do. We reach out, but we don't accommodate by compromising or moving God's standard, which you just referred to, how he made us, right. male and female. He says, this is what I've done. You just referred to Romans 1. You did a beautiful job expounding mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. at Gateway. Yep. When you change God's truth, substitute it for a lie, when you begin to worship what he has created rather than the creator, in that bondage, you are given over to what? Paul said, you have idols, you share with demons, you fellowship with demons, deception. Mm -hmm. You're confused, yeah. you're deceived, you're misled. 
You can be so deceived that you think it's the truth. And when you've been so deceived, you think it's truth, you really are effective deceiving everyone. Mm -hmm. This is the world we're living in. Mm -hmm. What do we do? We love people back to who God says we are. And, and now, we speak the truth. We speak the truth in love. Yeah, because if there's no truth, see, this is what I found uh, alarming. You know, we have truth. And yet Christians are being intimidated from speaking truth mm -hmm. because they throw down the trump card of you're judging me. And the truth is, I love people. I'm so thankful somebody sat down with me and said, baby girl, your promiscuity is not finding freedom for you. You will never find refreshing from this unfaithful well. You need to draw from the true well. You have lost your virginity, but you can recover your virtue. Wow. So when we say to somebody mm -hmm. that this is building your life with untempered mm. mortar and it is going to cost you everything, we are not being cruel. We're actually trying to help them. That's right. And, and I mean, I'm just going to say that fornication, adultery, homosexuality, what, what, it doesn't matter. Those things will never satisfy you. Mm. They will strip your soul. And we have been turned over to be mastered by the lust within us. And it is time that we call it what it is. It isn't being kind to tell somebody that something that controls them is good. It's not. We're calling evil good and good evil. And so, you know, we have... Who knows what's going to happen when we look back and see the sociological experiment we're actually doing in our country right now. We're asking preteens and junior hires to self-identify. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody would ask me at 13 to self-identify, first of all, I don't know anybody at 13 that's comfortable. Yeah. I would have probably said I was a unicorn. I mean, I, I don't even know what I would have said. I would have said, I, I don't know what I am because I was in transition from a girl to a woman. And you don't ask people in transition to locate themselves. You let them know that they are growing into something. Uh, it, and, and yet, and yet, we're putting pressure on children. And see, when children go through puberty, they have sex fascination, gender fascination. They don't want to have sex. They are curious. They're saying, wait a minute, is what's going on with my body? What's going on with the other girls' bodies? And we're turning this curiosity and fascination to a sexual attraction when really it's just them going through the process of curiosity. We're sexualizing things that are just normal, that boys would be more comfortable being around boys and girls would be more comfortable. And then we're saying, oh, well, you know, you have same-sex attraction. No, you're actually probably just curious. And so, you know, we need to actually be a people, because I totally believe, James and Benny, and I know this is your heart, that if America, if Christians will humble themselves, and say, I've been judgmental. I've been harsh. I have not been one who has represented Jesus well. I haven't shown a change in my life. Why should I judge people outside of the church if I haven't even exactly. been Christ-like in the church? If we can say that, then God's going to hear from heaven. He's going to heal our land when we humble ourselves, pray, and turn from our own wicked ways. And so this, to me, a life without rival, was actually asking the church to be the church and identify with Christ so he can identify us. Lisa, we have heard such a download of potentially transforming truth. It's, 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 you, need, you need to read the book. I mean, there's so much here, but listen to me. See, if we make fun, Lisa, of the person that's gender confused or has homosexual or same-sex attraction, yeah. if we mock them, 
ridicule them, call them names. Mm -hmm. We're contributing to a spirit of condemnation, which God is not a part of that. That is satanic. That is, that is damning. Mm -hmm. it, it destroys. It, it literally curses people. And when the church plays that game, I don't like them. Or you've got a child that seems to be acting a little differently and you make them feel different and wrong and you, you make fun of them or you mock them. Mm -hmm. That's so damaging. It makes them feel condemned so they never feel the conviction of love that says we understand there's confusion. We all go through it. And God wants to lead us out of that. But we've got to show them a God that can lead anybody where they need to go to right. bless them and benefit them, not right. to make their life worse. We all have the struggle in various areas of our life. We don't need to feel condemned. We need to feel love. Love opens a door Absolutely. for conviction. Absolutely. And conviction brings about the desire to repent and to be set free from whatever's holding you captive. And, and Lisa, I thank you. Do you recognize that she's just downloaded a whole lot of truth on us in this few moments that we've had? You are an amazing, you really are. You're an amazing gift to the church, you and John both. And John, thank you for sharing Lisa and what's in her and seeing her as an equal in the sense of, I know that what she does is every bit as important as what I do. Thank you for honoring her and honoring the Lord that way. And both of you are such a blessing. Thank you for just being our friends and walking we along with us and working with the Living Your Destiny series and what you're sharing. She's gonna be on to talk to us in another program. And, and we're gonna talk about the rivals in life and the, the com competition that we feel and then the rivals against what God wants. And I think really download on that and it's gonna be a blessing. Lisa, you uh, and John have uh, seen the mission fields and yes. not only been to the mission fields, but you've supported our mission outreaches. Mm -hmm. Has that been a joy for you to do that? It's been one of the most life-changing things we ever did. I think our lives enlarged when we started to show me, showing to life outreach. I have to be honest with you, I still remember gathering my boys and seeing Betty and Anne in the, in the African fields and telling my boys, you guys need to potty train because we need to give some money. And it was that long ago, it was when I was nursing Alec, so mm -hmm. he is now 24 and we have partnered with you guys for more than two decades and it has been an incredible honor and a blessing. Well, I want to thank you and I want us to turn that thanks to everybody watching and please hear me. You just heard her say what a blessing it's been to her. What a blessing she's been because she's put arms of love around the suffering. She's gone into the dangerous places with us to try to rescue the perishing. I want you to look right now and I want you to see desperation. It's undeniable. But I want you to know you turn this cycle of desperation and death into a place of joy. And now we have a chance to go even a step further. As we rescue people, we can begin to train their minds. I want you to watch closely. You'll be glad you did. <laughs> Masetari 
Look at that little child's little toy, little <sighs> something to play with, Betty. I remember we knelt in the graves of thousands of little children. They were little children's graves. And I remember seeing a cross and had a little jar and a picture of a little, little child in there. And I know that, uh, you know, we wanted to do everything we could to, to uh, stop the death cycle. Right, James, and can't even imagine a mother losing four of her precious children and the pain that she must be going through. She said she threw the toys away so she wouldn't have to look at them and remember. And it just breaks her heart. And now she's concerned about the children that are left. And I can see why she would be. She could likely lose every child she's had if we don't get the, the food to them. And this is something that can be change. This is something we can do something about. You know, there's some diseases that no matter how hard you try and you do all you can do, it just doesn't seem to be enough. But this is just so simple. And we should all reach out and do what we can do. It may be a lot that you can do to help, help treat it. Maybe a little bit, but whatever it is God puts on your heart, do the best that you can and join with us and let's help these precious children. You know, while you were talking, I was praying because this is the last week that we're asking you now to help with this emphasis on mission feeding for this period where we try to raise the money to take care of children for the next several months. And I, I thought, would, would you just stop a minute and say, God, if that were my family, somebody could help them, I'd be praying they would. Would you say, God, Show me what I can do. And of course you can pray. But you can also be an answer to that mother's prayer and others. And the way you do that is just simply say, I will share life. The greatest gift is life. I will share life. With no exaggeration, this is the truth, because of the way the missionaries are able to take grants of food substance and then process it in the food factories that you've built. People like you, we can feed three, five, or 10 children for the next months for 30, 50, or $100. And once we stabilize, and right now we've got several hundred thousand children like those you just saw that are facing death. Most of them have not reached that place, that desperation clinic, which that's the last step. Most of them never get there. They die before they even head that way. Or they're headed to death and ultimately there. But you can stop it right now by going to lifetoday.org or dialing that number. Take your bank card and say, here, I'm gonna make a gift and I would ask if you could give $100 to help us feed 10 children do it. So we're gonna save their lives, but there's one other step. We found that once we get them stable, if we will then begin to feed once a day at a school, they'll go to school consistently and begin to train their little minds that have now been nourished. And we can literally 
feed an entire school for $5,600 a year, $1,400 for a few months. So there's a level at which you can help. We have some gifts to send you to help you in your destiny with a wonderful teaching from these truly anointed women who've been so blessed to share. But we're asking you to share life right now. Would you do that? Lifetoday.org, take your bank card, prayerfully respond, or dial the number and make the gift God puts on your heart. You're giving life. You're an answer to someone's prayer, a desperate prayer, but you're the real solution. Thank you. In remote and impoverished areas of Africa, families are suffering, facing death by starvation, and those hit the hardest are the children. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready to feed and care for these children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Southern Africa facing its worst drought and food shortage in years, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider a special gift of $1,400 to help sponsor a school and help feed 140 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you the brand new audio series, Living Your Destiny. Hear five outstanding Bible teachers and women of faith share how to live the life God destined for you. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll also receive The Longing in Me by Sheila Walsh and Unashamed by Christine Kane. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more, be sure to request Majesty, our 2016 commemorative bronze sculpture. This is the last week. Please call, write, or go online today and make your gift of life to help feed and care for hungry children. Thank you so much for praying and thank you so much for your help. You see a lot of mothers' prayers answered because of what you've just done and life saved, really. And what a joy it is to be the answer to someone's heart cry. Living your destiny, some of the most anointed teachers on the planet, these beautiful women sharing. The book Unashamed by Christine Kane and then Sheila Walsh's book The Longing in Me. Today, if you'd like to have Lisa and she's teaching in the series, but if you'd like to have this new book without rival, you say, James, could we have that? Would you send it to us? You can get it online or you can go to the bookstores. But if you want it, we'll send it to you. You just help us help some of those kids. Would you join us in thanks to Lisa? What a blessing you are. We're going to talk to you more, okay? Thank you for being a blessing to all of us. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for reaching out in love. Thank you. In his new book, The Stream, 
James Robison charts a clear path to personal revival and spiritual revolution in our culture, values, morals, and in government. Reverend Samuel Rodriguez says the stream is a Christ-centered Bible-based prescription for these troubled times. Dr. Ben Carson says this important book points out many ways that we can use our lives to preserve those freedoms that made America great. The Stream, available now online and at retail bookstores. And sometimes popularity with man means we make ourselves an enemy with God. Author and speaker Lisa Bevere, tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.